Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. One of the realities of the interpretation of Torah is that commentators, rabbis, Torah students of all kinds recognize that sometimes it is impossible to read a story the way it was intended to be read because of a situation that we face in the world in which we live. What seemed like a reasonable story at one time is fraught with danger when read that way with the reflection of the world in which we live. We live in a world in which we see the dangers of people propelled by religious fervor to commit acts of violence and terror, convinced this is what God wanted them to do, convinced that it fell to them, a person of great religious passion and fervor, to enact what they feel God's will is in the world, to act either impulsively or with great thought and, and, and care in planning a response to what they perceive to be evil. And because we've seen that danger, because we see it so often in our world, it's impossible to read the story which concludes in this week's Torah portion, Parsha Pinchas, in quite the way in which it appears it was intended to be read. At the end of last week's Torah portion of Parshat Balak, we read that God is incensed, is so angry at the people of Israel because many of them are engaging in worship of Baal Peor, of this foreign god, and many of them are in fact engaged in a cult of prostitution, of sexual acts intended to in some way reflect the worship of Baal Peor. And God insists that these people be eradicated. It tells Moses to gather all of his advisors and the leaders of the tribes and tell them to, to execute all of those within their uh, area, within their tribe, within their clan, whatever, who engage in this practice. Right after we hear of this command, we hear that Pinchas, the grandson of Aaron, sees a Israelite man and a Midianite woman engaging or about to engage in this uh, process, in this ritual prostitution. He follows them into the tent and stabs them both to death. This is a story that is so difficult because in fact it appears that Pinchas, out of an act of zeal, of religious fervor and passion, has decided to circumvent any legal process that might be appropriate or any thought process that he might go through and impulsively kills these two individuals. But the story becomes more difficult as we read the beginning of this week's Parsha because what we read is that God apparently approved of this act. God praises Pinchas through Moses for Pinchas's zeal and his passion. 
and offers Pinchas, God does, God's Brit Shalom, pact of friendship, covenant of peace, and apparently rewards Pinchas with the promise of the priesthood and the promise of his continuing leading the families of priests of Kohanim. How do we understand this? What could this breach shalom, this covenant of peace be that God promises Pinchas? Well, according to some of the commentators, God is saying to Pinchas, I will protect you against any would-be avengers from the family of this individual whom you killed. I will make sure that his murder is not avenged and you are not going to suffer for it. Or another way to look at it, and uh, I've, I've seen some commentaries that kind of move in this direction, but these are my words. Perhaps God is telling Pinchas, I want you to be at peace with what you did. Don't lose any sleep over it. It was the right thing to do, and I support you. And I want you to be at peace with this act that you performed. And in terms of the priesthood, perhaps it was a mere statement to, to uh, Pinchas that God is saying, don't think that this act in, uh, invalidates you as a priest. Don't think of yourself as having blood on your hands. You did what you had to do, you did the right thing, and you still can be the leaders of the priest. That's all very well and good, and apparently is the pshat, this, the intended meaning of the text. But as I said, as generations move along, it becomes harder and harder for us to read the text that way without asking some very serious questions and wondering whether this is the proper ethical approach. And it wasn't just, it isn't just contemporary commentators. For many generations, through the Talmud and later, people questioned Pinchas's act. And, and, and in fact, in the Talmud, there are texts which criticize Pinchas saying, you should have gone through a more proper legal process. Perhaps they are in fact, uh, uh, accusing God of the same thing, but they clearly focus on Pinchas. You can't just paint with a broad brush and you can't be impulsive and you can't do these things quite in this way because it, it isn't the way our tradition is based. Yes, we have to fight evil, but this idea that we can fight evil with impulsive acts or that there is some kind of a way that we can claim that our religious zeal should allow us to act in this way is so dangerous. I think, however, the best way to express this opinion and this perspective is to be found in a book that I absolutely love and I, and I encourage you, if you're interested in Torah study, to look into. The book is called Very Near to You, Human Readings of the Torah by Avraham Berg, who looks at a very humanistic approach to the Torah. And his words are fascinating. And he comes out, by the way, you'd have to read more about his history, but he has a person who, as he wrote this book, was seeking ways to make changes in Israel's society, to move it more towards a, a society of peace and of, of compromise, rather than taking absolute steps and, 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 and of domination. He reads, here are his words, and I think this says it perfectly. It seems to me, however, that the covenant of peace 
described here is not merely an expression of God's satisfaction with an act of zealotry, but a balancing response by God, who sentences the quick-tempered zealot to cross over to a tradition of peace and accept the stranger who differs from him. In doing so, God essentially says to him and to us, quote, Perhaps your zealotry was proper for that day and time, but do not turn those hasty characteristics into a national policy. And as he says, the veiled criticism in the verses is spelled out clearly in the Midrash. Yes, it's true. The Midrashic tradition moved away from this complete praise of Pinchas, sometimes saying, as uh, Berg does, God says, okay, I accept it for this moment, perhaps because God had opened up the issue by insisting on the execution of all these individuals, but this isn't the way we're going to move forward. And you cannot continue to act in this way. You have to move towards a covenant of peace, towards reconciliation, towards understanding, or at the very least, through justice, as you seek to eradicate evil. That you don't eradicate evil by, by your perception of what God is calling you to do to act impulsively, but you work through a system of law which allows you to properly fight evil. Yes, there are times where immediate actions to root out evil is necessary, are necessary, but it's so dangerous to make this a role model. And it's so dangerous to make Pinchas the paradigm of how to respond to evil that we see and how to deal with our religious passions. It's a very dangerous story for today's world. And while I, I would imagine that for myself, there's no other way to read it in the context of the Torah than to see God's praise of Pinchas. I stand with Avram Berg and with others who would say, even if it was right at one particular moment in time, and that one you could even disagree with, but even if it was right at that one particular moment, this is not the way to live. And it is certainly not the model that we want to follow in today's world. Until next time, thank you.